Well uh, done, Wallace. Uh, oh, at, what, at last? Yes, uh, that's, the, a, that's the, the best. The art is being? Prince. Well, I know. Who, who else can do a groove like this? Yeah, on this day in 1991, Prince and the New Power Generation started a two-week run at number one on the charts with Cream. This was Prince's last number one hit. One journalist saying... The song fully realises the sultry funk odyssey that Prince was going for in his 13th studio album. Amazing album, Diamonds and Pearls. I don't know, uh, and Tom Matthews, whether or not uh, you are joining us as fellow Prince fan. I was grooving. I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan. I obviously know who Prince is, and I, and I like a few of his bangers. He's got yeah. some great. He's got some great music. I wouldn't say I know all of his music though. But yeah, definitely love me a little bit of Purple Rain when it comes on. That gets me going. <laughs> but not others. not into the B size like my wonderful producer Sam Hollis, who is uh, a uh, a Prince mega fan. But there you go. There's one of his uh, hit singles there, Cream. Um, meanwhile, uh, run off our feet with uh, your particularly bull rush responses. Um, in the early 2000s, my sons used to play bullfish at school, but the teachers banned it. At break, the boys would take turns on lookout for the teacher while ignoring ban and playing bull rush. School also banned tree climbing, tree climbing, which also didn't stop them too much in precious middle class Devonport says one listener. Uh, Andrew says, In the 60s at Parimata school, we played mass piggyback fights. A small person would like me would ride on our mate's shoulders and try to grab the opposition and pull them over. It was dangerously chaotic and heaps of fun. So there we have it. Now, um, can you just open your book? Because we had a, we've had a bit of a response about your grandmother's. If you haven't been yes. listening, you've got to go back and listen to uh, Sally Wenley's I've Been Thinking, which was a journey through... Uh, Sally's generations of your generations recipes. of cookbooks. Look at you, sort of opening out your or, or, or your, your grandmum's cookbook. So my question for tomorrow at twenty five past four is: Go to your grandmother's or grandfather's uh, cookbook or your your family's old cookbook and give us a unique recipe. Email me at the panel at rnz.co.nz. What do you got there, Sally? There is angel food, which is gelatine and whipped egg whites. There's an uncooked Swiss jelly. And here's an old, very yellow clipping. And in the headline is, here it is, Sir Keith's favourite cake. And it says, today is Sir Keith Holyoke's 68th birthday, and Lady Holyoke has baked his favourite cake for the occasion. Guess what sort of cake it was? Lemon cake. Fruit. <laughs> and there's a recipe here. Yeah. Of course. Ah. You can't, yeah. Have you got a banana bread? Uh, a banana bread in this thing? Uh, oh, uh, I. Calls out for banana actually, bread. Actually, there is. That's, I've got that's two that's in my recipe, recipe book here. Yeah. I have got a chocolate banana bread, and there's another banana bread recipe that has a huge right. line of 
cream cheese through the middle of it. Nice one. All right, that's the question for this. The question for tomorrow. Twenty-five past for uh, a recipe from uh, your family's old cookbook tucked away. It's four thirty-eight. The panel. E-scooter riders are a bigger risk to themselves than to pedestrians, and tighter speed limits might be imposed, the latest government safety report says. Where it has been recorded, the vast majority of admissions to hospital are riders with injuries, not pedestrians, says the Wakakotahi report. And our next guest has looked over uh, the report and says Wakakotahi's e-scooter safety report is actually frustratingly Simplistic. Dr. Timothy Welsh specialises in transportation. He's at the School of Architecture and Planning at Auckland University. Dr. Welsh, kia ora. Thanks for having me. Some very interesting findings here. I'm just going to pluck this one out. Almost half the injured scooter riders tested for alcohol, half compared with 15% of cyclists that were injured. There's a point here, isn't there, that don't get on a scooter when you've had a few. Yeah, I mean, I think that's good advice for doing anything, uh, even walking. It's better to sit. Um, but yeah, it, it plays up to how the scooters were initially used. I think more when they first dropped, they were more as a recreational device. But over time, that's morphed into a tool for commuting and more serious uh, transportation. And we've seen a lot of those numbers drop as a result. So what did you take away from this report well, I was a bit conflicted by the report. So on the one hand, it did confirm what many of us have been saying, which is e-scooters aren't nearly as dangerous to pedestrians as they appear to be. They they can seem scary zipping around, um, but they really don't cause that many collisions or injuries. But on the other hand, uh, when we see the report say that they are there's more injuries or deaths, uh, for scooters uh, by ridership than there is for motor scooters or other modes, um, we get a, I'm a little suspect, and it's because the, we don't have good data on the amount of use of scooters and the division between private and public scooters. Just uh, now, you, you jump in, Sally, because you've got you've got a real issue with scooters, don't you? Uh, well, I, I'm not much of a fan. Hey, Timothy, interested to know, do you support them being used, and you know the council? supporting firms to have them, the councils around the country. Do you think they're a good form of transport as such for pedestrians or people to get around? What's your view on them? Yeah, I think e-scooters present a new opportunity for people to avoid a car trip if possible, Uh, but they do need to be used with care, uh, and they already are very regulated. So here in Auckland, there's speed limited already. I don't think the footpath is the best location for them. But if we look at the data, uh, in 2021, there were about 1,000 soft tissue injuries from e-scooter riders. At the same time, there were 1,400 soft tissue issues for people who, uh, injuries for people who used roller skates. So um, when we talk about things like speed reduction and, and more regulation, I don't think that's really the primary direction we should be going with e-scooters. But you support e-scooters around the city and on pavements or not? I definitely support them um, around the city. I think we do have it backwards in terms of the where we allow them to be. I don't think they should be on footpaths. Um, ideally, they should be in their own lanes along with other all the other devices like hoverboards and one wheels.
Okay, well, Sally wants to jump in again, but we've got to go to Anton. Anton, what do you think about this? And are there scooters in your city? Um, yeah, I think there are. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't see many of them because I'm, I'm out in the burbs, you know, and they're not really out in the burbs. Um, they tend to be in the, in the CBD, and I, you know, I go in there once or twice a week. But they don't. They don't tend to annoy me that much. I don't. I don't think it's a good idea to ever you know, be inebriated and have a few drinks and then jump on it. I can it doesn't surprise me that half of the injuries occur when people have had a few to drink. Um that's never a good idea. So perhaps we should think about how to stop that. Um but I don't even know how you'd police it. Like if you because I thought you had to wear helmets. I don't I don't know when the last time I saw someone riding around on one of the lime scooters anyway with a helmet on. No one seems yeah, to follow that rule. I don't see um, any helmets. I can can I ask Sally you a question because if I may, uh with a mobility issue in yep. a in a wheelchair how do you feel about e-scooters? Oh, I'm. I think they're terrible. I think if people have one themselves, they they would know how to use them properly. But I think that the concern for me is that you know they people who get on the ones that you just hire with your credit card or whatever, and off they go, and often there's two people on them. And I've because um, I use a wheelchair, and I've been just about bowled over a couple of times on Auckland's Ponsonby Road and it's young people going really fast and they're often boozed and a bigger issue for me is when they just get dumped in the middle of the pavement and even down my street so I do a bit of civil disobedience and I knock them over because I can't get past I can't get past on some of the pavements and e-scooters are really really annoying and it's obviously not just me. And um, I see that ACC has paid out about thirty million in the four years since they started e-scooters. Um, yeah, but the thing but is, it's just you, so you, they're injuring yeah. themselves and they're potentially injuring but pedestrians. The deal is, people like me, I can go one and a half k's from A to B. Simple as that. It's just use, my mobility. Yeah, put them on the road, and as I think as Timothy was alluding to, not not the pavement. Right, Tim. Yeah, we certainly see some bad behaviour by scooter users. The e-scooter companies are regulated in terms of where they their scooters should go, and scooter users are often charge an extra fee if they don't park them properly. Uh, but we could certainly have more space dedicated to getting them off the pavement and so they don't impede people who need to use that space uh, for walking or wheelchairs or anything else. But finally, Tim, uh, the rise and rise of micro-mobility. Sally uh, in a wheelchair, she has an issue, but is it fair to say that the e-scooter is here to stay? Yeah, certainly we see, at least in the private market, the number of privately owned e-scooters increasing as well, um, significantly. So I'm, I, once you know that genie's been taken out of the bottle, it's not going back in at this point. So we should be making space for them um, rather than trying to get rid of them. Right. Yeah, big, I agree, because that here. means that people yeah. won't leave them on the pavements. They've got their own, and they'll take yeah. them home, and they know how to use I, them. I know what you yep. mean, Sally. They are everywhere. People don't sort of put them up. They just bang them down. Next minute, you've got these... Sticks all over the ground. Hey, nice to have you on the program, Tim Kiara. There's Timothy Welsh there, who specialises in transportation. Gosh, what a response! There is no scooter etiquette. Would be great to have real bike scooter lanes and maybe scooter stations with bike racks. It is fifteen to five. We are with Anton Matthews in Autotahi Christchurch there, and Sally Wenley joining me in uh, Auckland here. And to this this week, Fish and Game New Zealand 
Well, they've launched a campaign they're calling Rewild. Now we've got a uh, we've got a hunter in the studio with us and fisher. And a- <laughs> I think I've had some of your fish too, actually. I have, haven't I? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and with the, the highlighting the benefits of hunting and fishing, both environmental and personal, to encourage people to get out and make the most of nature. Well, one of the campaign's biggest supporters is none other than Dame Linda Top, herself a keen angler and hunter. And it's a pleasure to have Dame Linda Top on the program. Kia ora and lovely to have you on the panel. Kia ora, Wallace. This is pretty exciting for me, too. I listen to the panel every day, so this is, like, really exciting. <laughs> well, that's nice to hear, and I'm glad we can keep you company. But the last thing you'd want, I'm sure, uh, when you're out and about, you, you close your eyes, you've got the wide river, you're angling, you don't have the panel on, you've just got the sound of nature, because that's, I understand that's what you do, and this is what you love. I think, you know, um, when you get out on the river, especially for fly fishing, because it's very, very quiet fly fishing, um, and and you are surrounded by, you know, beauty and environment, and you're there for a purpose. And what happens is you you actually end up stopping Mm. and actually not thinking about anything but what you're doing right at that moment. And that is a magical moment, magical yeah, well, Linda, we've got a fellow uh, angler and uh, a hunter here, Sally. Let's bring you in. Hi, Dame Linda. Well, um, what do you do? Is it trout and salmon? Um, and also, what do you do with them? Mostly trout fishing, I do, and um, you know, I like to go river fishing, not so much in the lake. So it's sort of like stalking fish, you know. So you, uh, it's fishing to sighted fish. So you've got to get your cast pretty good. You've got to get it right you know, just above the fish and let it come down naturally in the current. So you're using a little, you know, um, you know, or a nymph for a, a dry fly that yeah. is, is, you know, yep. simulating a natural bug. Um, so you've got to get it in the right place. And then if you do hook up with it, you've got to figure out how to land it, where you're going to bring it, you know, onto the shore. And then when I do catch my fish, um, I get them out of the water pretty quick, take a picture them and send them back into the water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Dame Linda, have you ever got your uh, rod tangled in the uh, willow trees or anything <laughs> behind you? Um, yeah, speaking from experience. <clears throat> I think, you know, if, if you don't get tangled in the in the, um, in the the willows or the, the lupins behind you or whatever's behind you, the trees and everything, then you're not really out in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> Fishing game have really, you know, um, emphasised um, this week with their new big media launch is that you know it's time to get back out into the wild mm. and and that's really exciting for me because I I obviously haven't been out for a couple of years uh, dealing with health issues um, but I've just been cleared to go fishing and um, and I I can't wait to get out there you know and, and hunting and fishing to me is also about conservation and I think a lot of hunters and fishers now are really really um, had this awareness that it's about conservation as much as, as getting, you know, kai for the table. Linda, we've got Anton with us as well. Anton, let's bring you in. 
you know, we're Dame Linda. Lovely to talk talk with you. Um, oh look, I'm I'm a rubbish I'm rubbish at fishing, so I'm I'm definitely not the target market, and I don't really like blood either. I'm, I'm even worse at hunting, but I have to say I totally agree with the idea of getting back out to nature, reconnecting eh, with our taio, with our environment. Um, there's nothing better, and it's so easy to kind of get wrapped up in the busyness of life and kids and fauna and work and all that sort of stuff. But I think it's a it's a nice timely reminder to actually press pause. Get back out there, reconnect with the with the tail, and however you do that, whether it's fishing or hunting or just going for a walk, mm. um, yeah, really, really good idea. So I love the campaign, and I hope it's um, I hope other New Zealanders pick up on it and take up the challenge. Linda, you're just as important, Anton, because what happens is if we do bring something yeah. home, if you've got a nice cut of venison or <laughs> you've got a nice fresh salmon. Uh, you need to, you know, you need to have somebody who knows how to cook it up pretty good. And I think, you know, <laughs> do that. We, 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 we do, you know, love our, our cooks and our chefs who know how to cook wild food. <laughs> good on you. Good on you. I can contribute there maybe. Dame Linda, um, it obviously includes hunting. Have you had a lot of hunting experience in your youth? Uh, when we were kids, our dad gave us a single shot twenty-two. He showed us how to load it, and he sent us off to shoot some possums up the up the road late at night. I think we were about twelve years old, huh. <laughs> with a flashlight and everything. And in those days, you know, if you if you sort of took the tip of the tail, you got you know some money. You got fifty cents, I think, the equivalent of fifty cents or something. But um, the hunting aspect of it, you know, when we we were growing up in the country, I think every kid, you know, had a go at hunting or fishing. But I think you know now nowadays. The idea of, you know, combining all of those things, hunting and fishing and, and kai on the table and conservation and, and taking kids out is really important, you know, because they, they, you know, there are some kids out there that, you know, think that meat comes from a plastic tray at the supermarket. Yes. And we need to change that. Yeah. We need to get back into, you know, making sure that kids understand what the environment is about and how they can look after it, you know, so that, you know, in a hundred years' time, we can all still go hunting and fishing and have beautiful, pristine rivers and great yeah. bush in this country, you know. Well, Dame Linda, just on a final note before, you, before we, we leave you, it's, A, it's wonderful to have you on the program, but also I can imagine it's, it's a real um, special thing for you, for someone who has faced some real health challenges, to be able to then go out and be amongst, as you say, our nature of Aotearoa. Yeah. Well, I have the thing, this thing called the four H's, health, hopes, hunting, and happiness. If you can get all four of those things in one day, it's a no-win situation. You know, it's, a, it's absolutely brilliant. Health means you're out there because you're healthy enough. Hopes is that you catch a fish when you catch something or you get <laughs> something and you go hunting. You're out hunting, and that's your happy place. So if, if everybody does that, you know, maybe more politicians need to go hunting in <laughs> <laughs> Let's get David, Sam, Winston Peters and Chris Luxon out rewilding, eh? Dame Linda Top, thank you for your time today. Thanks very much. Get wild. Get wild. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, amazing, eh? Wonderful, wonderful, oh, wonderful yes. person, wonderful duo, huh? Uh, the panel. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, Anton Matthews, Sally Winley with us this afternoon on today's uh, panel. Well, finally on the show, we've heard a fair bit, haven't we, about the bird of the century competition. Well, 
And why not? One of the ways to highlight the fact that not all is well regarding our native species. In fact, 82% of our living native bird species are threatened or at risk of extinction. This campaign here began 18 years ago. It's a pretty modest campaign. It's really growing. 75 bird species up for title this year. Uh, Piwowo, the rock hen, was last year's winner. And I thought, well, there's no one who cares as much about welfare of birds then. Bird care Aotearoa. They run off your donations and look after those sick birds that you go and send to them. With us is Ariel Makaya Wajaya from Bird Care Aotearoa. Ariel, nice to have you here. Oh, it's lovely to be back. Now, Bird Care Aotearoa, what bird are you campaign manager for? We are proud to be um, campaign managers for the Crooks Petrels. The Cook's Petrol or Titi. Tell us a bit more about the Cook's Petrol. What do they look like? Who are they? Mm. Yeah, so these guys are um, seabirds. So they um, come on land to um, breed, lay their eggs, raise their young, and they spend half of their life out at sea um, hunting for food. And Cook's Petrels are quite on the small scale of the seabirds. Um, they're probably about the size of a gull, maybe a little bit smaller, and they're black and white. They've got little white underbellies and underwings, and they've got a grayish sort of um, back with a little distinguished um, M or W pattern on yeah. top of their wings. And they've got cool little eyebrows. Um, they've got sort of like <laughs> mascara across their eyes. <laughs> I've got to look up a photo now. Cook's Petrol, uh, not familiar with it myself uh, there, Sally, but one of the 75 birds uh, up for the uh, comp. I don't think I'm a fan of the Cook's Petrol. Mm. That's because Mm. when I'm out fishing, I think they're the birds that steal my bait. There you go, Ariel. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag not a fan. Whoops, we have a problem. Trust you, Sally. Uh, Ariel, speechless here. Um, I don't, what about you, Anton? Is there a bird that you'd vote for? Uh, well, probably. I mean, I, I do. I do. Look, there are a few that come to mind. But I'm curious. The the Cook's pit, Petro. Um, you said it was a it was a TT. Is that? I thought a, a mutton bird was a TT. What am I missing here? Or are they a different bird? So um, the city shear water is also um, called the Titi as well. So they both have the same um, Te Reo Māori name um, because they also have like a squeaky voice. Uh, both of them have very squeaky and Titi in Te Reo means squeak. So they, those, both of those birds actually squeak. So they have the same name. Mm. Now, oh, okay, cool. Learn something new. Yeah, look, I probably, I like, I like a wee piwai waka. They're pretty cheeky. Yeah. I kind of like them. They seem to be friendly towards me, and there's a lot of <laughs> lot of tradition around uh, in Kōrero, Pūrako, and oral tradition around uh, the significance of a PY waka. So if I had to throw oh. my vote anywhere, I'd, I'd go to a PY waka. They're oh, pretty nice. cheeky birds. I like. Nice one, Kyoto. Anton. Yeah, uh, I'd I'd like to know I, what your thoughts are on this bird. It's the rifleman, and I've been lucky to see some up in the Coromandel, and these are the smallest birds in New Zealand, and they're really busy. They flit around, and they're just delightful to watch. They're a little bit green, and they're just just like um, I'd say the fox terrier of birds. And they um, they even have two broods per season. 
they they sometimes have another nest when they're still feeding the first lot, and other pairs help um, other riflemen. Come across birds. those. So I'm 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 quite keen on the riflemen. Right. Come across those, Ariel. Oh, we've never had them at bird care, but I really would love to see one because they are my um, supervisors. Are studied them, and oh. they are absolutely <laughs> the most adorable little yes. pipsqueak ever. You, you, <laughs> folk, you folk do great work. I, I've said it before on the panel that I uh, we've taken three birds to bird care Aotearoa when they flew into the building. You know, it's quite something. Mm. So, um, can I ask you? Oh, no, all, run out of time, actually, Ariel. Um, all you're saying is that. Um, um, the message from Birdcare Aotearoa is vote for Cook's Petrol or TT. Ariel, thank you for your time. And, hey, that is the panel for this afternoon. Anton, nice to have you back. Yeah, no, Wallace. Yeah, no, awesome to be back. Thanks for having me. Uh, same to you, Sally. Kia ora to you both. Thank you, Sally Wallace. Sally Anton Matthews. Uh, and it is Power Ballad Friday tomorrow. Do stay with the Checkpoint team and Lisa Owen. That's next here on... RNZ National.